And the eagle has landed. Hello, on a Thursday night. It's good to be with you. Boy, is there a lot of news on the Thursday. Who knew? Hi, Eric. How are you? Hi, Sam. What's going on? You look at a different place. Yeah, yeah, everything. You're right. <laughs> you look uh, you're a little uh, on location. We won't reveal where, but you look on location. It looks very nice. Um, and uh, we have a lot of news. Coming up, I'll talk to Kira Rudik, who's a uh, Ukrainian parliamentarian. She'll be reacting to the $40 billion that the United States Senate just approved in aid to Ukraine. And we'll explain why that is just not enough. Even $40 billion is not enough. And that's got to do with the amount of money that the Russians are making off the war by selling oil. They just are making so much money because the oil prices are so much higher that they've now got a current account surplus, which is nearing, will you get this $96 billion? So we'll get into that in just a little bit on the show. That's really interesting. Plus we have today a brand new, or not, they're not yet brand new, but they soon will be brand new, we hope, members of NATO. Uh, Finland and Sweden, they were in the White House today, the leaders of those countries were in the White House today, as Biden was putting a big push behind getting them approved for NATO. They, of course, have applied. It takes a little bit of time. It also takes the Republicans in the Senate to approve this. And who knows if they will do that. So all of that is coming up. Plus the Durham trials. This is uh, the trial of uh, Michael Sussman that's been going on. It's riveting to me and you. A lot of people on part of the spectrum of the political spectrum are not really watching this trial as carefully as they should be because it is really a fascinating trial and deals with a lot about democracy. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that before we go to break and then we'll come back and do the details a little bit later on? Um, sure. Well, the, the basics are that uh, the John Durham Special Counsel's Office has looked into the publication of two stories. One is the Steele dossier that was passed off in the media as if it was some form of Crown Intelligence product, which it was not. And the second is a story about Trump uh, having servers during 2016 that communicated with Alpha Bank, a very prominent bank in Russia that is associated with both the state and organized crime. And it turns out that the Clinton campaign financed a fraudulent production of data and mm. likely knowingly so. This is not how it is framed in almost every media outlet except for the extreme right-wing ones, which is the kind of tactic that would turn off the people who followed Trump Russia, if you will, which was framed as Trump Russia and not Trump Netanyahu, not Trump Saudi, not Trump China, mm -hmm. not Trump, a corrupt guy among other corrupt guys, but Trump Russia. That if you follow Trump Russia or me or the show, you might not, you know, be apt to click on a link from uh, the Washington Examiner or the Free Beacon. But that's not as important as actually going to, you know, the actual court documents, which we've now. Although the pleadings have, uh, and the motions uh, pre-trial have all been voluminous and the you know, debated judge, there's been orders and, uh, and opinions given from the court prior to this trial, has laid out a lot of the facts here. That's not making it into the mainstream media. But right. the story that is shaping up, including today's testimony, particularly of James A. Baker, the former general counsel of the FBI, has revealed one of the greatest scandals in political and law enforcement history in the United States. Wow, that's a hell of a statement. But it is, you know, if you care about democracy, you can't, you can't just stick and choose 
which stories of corruption you like to cover and pay attention to. Both stories in this case, all these stories are important stories because democracy is being corrupted. And if you want your voice to be heard in the next election, then it's really important that you pay attention to all these sides. This is not about anyone taking shots at the Democrats or anything like that. It's just, hey, there's some corruption, appears to be some corruption. Let's find out what's going on so it doesn't happen again. And, uh, you know, if you care about Trump, Russia, you absolutely have to care about the Durham trials. You can't possibly pick and choose. And if you do, you're just acting like the other side. You know, it's just another case of selective news gathering and selective news consumption, which is basically what the Republicans do on the other side. And I'm not just picking on the Republicans. I'm just saying in general, everyone needs to pay attention. This is democracy in a crisis and would explain why um, on the other side of this. But first, you know, you know, Eric, I know you've been thinking about this a lot. It's becoming more and more expensive to uh, buy groceries. And if you're like me, you're trying to get to all the nutrients and vitamins you need. Plus you're trying to balance the budget. It's really hard to get all the nutrients you need just from food alone on a budget. And it's why I did the 30 day athletic greens challenge for 30 days. I took athletic greens every day, all the way through April. And I loved it. I'm still doing it every day. And I got to say, it makes me feel pretty damn fantastic. It boosts your energy. It gives you sort of a better vitality. Your immune system feels like it's bouncing back better. And the thing that I like the most about Athletic Greens is that it has a delicious taste. Um, you know, most green drinks are kind of a turnoff. They're not the kind of thing you just want to swallow in a giant uh, gulp, but these are delicious. These are really taste fresh and tropical and really quite yummy. Now, AG1 is engineered to provide all the right nutrients at just the right time, whether you want increased energy or improved muscle recovery, they've got it covered. And because they care about your wallet too, AG1 will only cost around three bucks a day and there are no hidden fees. To make it easier, and this is a special offer for narrative, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative to take ownership of over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We thank Athletic Greens for supporting us at Narrative and for supporting all our content here because without them and without you at home, we wouldn't be able to do this stuff. All right. By the way, I've got something else I want to tell you about. I was going to tell you about our new um, January 6th uh, promotion, but I'll tell you about it later in the show because I actually do want to get into the Durham stuff and it's already 10 past the hour. So I didn't take a look at what was going on specifically yesterday and today in the trial, but on Tuesday... Chris Vickery and I went through what we could without you, uh, which is a lot, you know, but not really enough in understanding what this whole case was about. And now what you've done is created a, quite an amazing mind map of everything related to the Durham trials. And before people sort of glaze over and try to run away from this, let's just take a look at the overview of where we are in this trial and what specifically is being we should point out, this is important, there's the Durham trials, because he's a special counsel investigator, and he's issued a lot of different indictments and there's depositions in all different cases. The trial that's currently being heard is the Sussman trial. And this is a, a specific niche of all these different trials and evidentiary uh, documents that Durham has collected and put out. So it's important to keep both this narrow view of things, but also this wider view of where this whole investigation is going. And that's what I love about this particular chart is because it gives you that wider view. So tell me us a little bit more about what's going on here in terms of uh, the overall allegation. Well, the allegation is against former Perkins Coie partner, Michael Sussman, who was a former assistant U.S. attorney, Department of Justice and prosecutor, employee who had a lot of gravitas in the cybercrime space. And he went directly to James Baker, who is the general counsel of the FBI, and said, hey, 
I'm not doing this for any client, but I've got this stuff you've got to check out. There is this AlphaBank story of uh, servers at Trump Tower that be communicating with the Alpha Bank, which is very Russian, and boy, he might be compromised. And I know as general counsel of the FBI, you couldn't possibly imagine that people in high-ranking position might be compromised by foreign intelligence services or corrupt organizations. This is brand new. Let me text you and come on in. And um, and you kind of got to, because there's a lot of people involved in it, but you've heard of a lot of them, but you may not understand how they're all connected. So Sussman was never was this uh, this partner uh, in private practice on cybercrime issues, and goes straight back to one of his old colleagues, James Baker, who's the the lead attorney or the general counsel for the FBI, and he says, "Well, I have no client, but you got to check this out. We've been doing some Apple research, and we've just come upon this really." Outrageous stuff. And surely the FBI with its, you know, tens of thousands of special agents and analysts and archivists, you have no idea about Donald Trump's connections to Russia when he ran the Miss Universe pageant there three years ago with a Kazakh mobster in Moscow. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys have never heard of any of this, Um, but you got to check out our stuff. And so they pass off two products that, you know, that end up getting into this team of Crossfire Hurricane. One is the Steele dossier, which is based on human intelligence, which is a field that I'm an expert in and actually train in. And I'd like to discuss some of the nitty gritty details in the way that Chris Vickery discussed the other issue here, which is the DNS data showing that there were these you know, computer communications between Trump and the Russians through Spectrum Health servers. I didn't actually see the show, but I know what Chris thinks of it. Uh, and I know what I know what the CIA thinks of it. I know what the FBI ended up thinking of it. That the the data that was put together by Rodney Jaffe and Newstar, with the help of Georgia Tech and some others, was fraudulent. Yeah, well, that's the yeah, debate in the actual case itself. They're not really going down that far. They're really the question that they're uh, only asking cool. in the case is: well, Did he lie to the FBI? Uh, that's a really that's an excellent point. And when you you know when you actually go through the pleadings of the case. The judge, Christopher Cooper, in this case, who was an Obama appointee, you know, shapes what's allowed to be discussed yes. in there and going all the way into, you know, he hasn't charged Rodney Jaffe at Newstar. It's important to remember Rodney Jaffe has invoked his Fifth Amendment right to avoid self-incrimination from this matter, which is important. I believe it was Durham's grand jury. And I forget where he is, if he's testifying at this or if he's pleading the Fifth yet again. I don't but, think he's testifying at this one. I think they want to get to that, but I don't think they've quite got it there yet. But I think that's their plan. Well, the government in their pleading said that they are considering charges of 18 U.S. Code uh, 1031, which is defrauding a government contract because some of the data was gleaned from data that was reserved for a DARPA contract. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. a serious point. Yeah. So this is for all the people that this is a nothing burger and boy, this is uh, Durham is just being petty and political. It just doesn't match the fact pattern. And if you read any of the pleadings, none of this seems like a joke. None of this seems like a sucker punch from a bunch of politicians. Yeah. I mean, look, to simplify things for everyone on the show on Tuesday, because I find this stuff kind of confusing for me. You know, I I had this chart just to explain to people that, you know, they had this three-stage process that uh, Elias and uh, Sussman appeared to be undertaking. One was to build evidence around scenarios, which in this case could have been fake ones, like the Alpha Bank server. And then going to the FBI, lying about this information, saying, hey, this is information that makes Donald Trump look guilty of whatever. 
please investigate. And then once the FBI was investigating it, then they could take it to the news organizations and say, hey, we know that the FBI is investigating Donald Trump for this alpha server. So they create a sequence of events that allows people to believe that there's credence to this investigation and to this evidence, even though it was essentially made up. So it's not something you could just ignore. I mean, the Alpha Bank server was the, you know, was what we all used as our basis for knowing that there was some sort of collusion between Russia and Donald Trump. Hold on, not everybody. Not everybody, but some of us, yeah. Some of us. Yes, others of us watched Mike Flynn walk in the door and watched Paul Manafort walk in the door and went, whoa, what are those guys doing here? Which is exactly the point where there were so many other things for them to talk about. Why did they need to create this fake alpha bag server? I mean, it's sort of like, you know, you, I, you could have looked at this totality of the evidence that we had even before the other stuff came out. And you already knew that Kremlin was in this White House or was going to be in this White House. So why did you need all this extensive alpha bank stuff if you could just go and report what, you know, what was going to come out anyhow? And you know who would understand the ethics of a proper investigation tied to national security, mm-hmm. a former assistant U.S. attorney like Michael Sussman. You would think, yeah. He's an officer of the court. His big fancy law position was from having worked for the taxpayer on these things. And he knew that that's not how the Bureau investigates because who did the investigation for him? The Girl Scouts, the Salvation Army? No, the FBI, the mm-hmm. DEA. ATF, depending on what it was. The investigative agents work a certain way. And you don't just walk through the side door. I mean, you actually, you can, if you have contacts in the FBI, that there's no harm and going, hey, man, there's this situation here. Check it out. Or here, hey, here's a thumb drive. Yeah. Have a look at this. I'm concerned about that. That is the, the FBI needs that every day. Thousands of tips from American citizens. And somebody like Michael Sussman, who has a high degree of trust, they need to be able to listen to guys like that who really know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. supposedly. Absolutely. And what the other tip providers don't have going on is they're not working with Fusion GPS, which was a contractor for Vladimir Putin and his money launderers at Prevzon at the same time. And that that Fusion GPS was feeding narratives to the news. Investigation and PR are not the same. They sure mm-hmm. as hell aren't the same. An election season, when your firm represents the uh, one candidate and you're bringing supposed national security information to the other, that would actually be fine. You know, you might also know how the FBI works. And go, Don't they have tons of stuff there on this issue? But let's say you come across something that's new. You drop it off the door and you say, if you need anything else, guys, I'm here to help. I'll, here's the guys who found it. You know, I'll put you in touch. But to be massaging the FBI and then simultaneously working with Slate and the New York Times and to have the FBI leadership working directly with the New York Times, which is what came out on the stand today. I was just blown away by that. Can you underline that point? I was just, uh, you know, this is, it's done, I guess, maybe occasionally, but I am, you know, I've not seen such close collaboration between the leadership of the FBI and any news organization as it is described as you've described to me is, is in this deposition. I mean, it seems to me like it's a, not a step too far. Like it's actually collusion of some sort. It's just, it's not done at this, in this way normally. You know, on one hand, you've got Rudy Giuliani going out on the news in the same time period mm-hmm. saying, oh, I've got some friends at the FBI and here's what they say. Mm-hmm. So that, the implication there is the FBI is a political entity. 
and not okay. a neutral investigative body that observes the highest standards in the U.S. government. The other thing that came out today is that this idea of this October surprise, you know, we've, we've all gotten used to sort of October surprises, which is the last minute sort of, oh my gosh, look what so-and-so found out about the leading candidate in any election. Um, and it comes out in October, just before the November elections. It doesn't have to come out in October, but that's the idea behind it. it all stems back from the Iran-Contra affair and the hostages way back then. But the history of it isn't important, whatever it is, that they were trying to set up an October surprise with all this information is what there was came out on the stand today, which is interesting because so was the Trump campaign, the Wiener emails or the Wiener laptop and the emails that, that came up. That was the Trump campaign's October surprise to get the Democrats. And so now he has... It looks to be like the Clinton's October surprise to get the Trumps. And they're both being negotiated and middlemaned by the FBI, the same people at the FBI, which puts them in an enormously powerful position to determine who the winner is going to be by deciding which, which press conference to throw a few days before the elections. Well, and note James Comey's involvement in that. He allowed this to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are the people that were involved in this that I come to understand include Andy McCabe and Peter Strzok and others that we've come to know that there was some form of collusion at very high levels with news outlets while the other side, both sides are using the FBI and making it look like they're a political tool. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, an ideal outcome if you had a criminal win the election, don't you think? Yeah. Because then every investigation of their foreign contacts or their criminal past, wouldn't that all look like a political hit job from a corrupted institution. So what went down at the the FBI in 2016 is, according to the testimony that we're seeing, and it hasn't been found as, as a fact by a jury uh, or judges yet, but all of what we've seen so far has the stench of impropriety, to put it mildly. That yeah. The FBI allowed itself to be corrupted to the point that it would have been less able to investigate crimes and credibly prosecute them in the United States. And that needs a full and transparent discussion. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, because, you know, we are going to head into another election where the FBI is going to be used again, as it's been used in the past by political entities, whether they're directly connected to the campaigns or not. The practice of creating criminal allegations against a candidate in an election in America has become sort of standard playbook stuff now. And if the FBI is in the position where they're picking favorites just before an election, that's not, uh, that's not democracy, A. And B, it's a very corrupt institution at that point. Like we, we need to get to the root of why this is happening. So regardless of whether this is, people feel this is anti-FBI or, or sorry, anti-Democrat or anti-Republican, what this really is, is a case about the FBI and about corruption at the FBI. And to make sure that there's not another case uh, where this organization, which is a very you know, respected criminal investigative body that shouldn't be involving itself in politics in this way and how it landed up being involved in it is is absolutely important that everyone needs to pay attention to. And it's kind of um, depressing that both sides seem to be playing favorites with whichever stories they run. I mean, you know, we can't do that in a democracy. We have, you know, a news organization, you have to cover both sides, even if you your favorites, are, you know, are involved in something nefarious. That's the job. That's what we do. And letting the standards slide on this, mm-hmm. letting Sussman get away with this is a national security threat in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Because you know what we've done the last couple of weeks? We have extradited the former president of Honduras for trafficking 
500,000 kilos of cocaine. Mm -hmm. We've arrested the premier of the British Virgin Islands for what he thought was a drug conspiracy to traffic uh, illicit substances into the United States with the Sinaloa cartel, which does drugs Mm -hmm. and human trafficking, and Syrian and Iranian-backed Lebanese terrorist Hezbollah. We can't secure America and take apart those criminal networks if our federal investigative bodies are thought of as just political hatchet men. Absolutely. It makes us look terrible. It makes us, you know, and, and how are we to trust whatever happens next in an election? I mean, the FBI has to be stepped into something if there's something criminal. How, we, how do we know what's valid and what isn't valid? Like, the credibility of this institution is so important, as is the credibility of every institution in a democracy in this time, that it really has to be shored up and we really have to understand exactly what happened. And it's, uh, it's you know, beholden on the media, all the media, to cover all these cases all the time. You can't uh, sort of slide this to the back of the book because you don't like the don't like what you're reading. You may not even understand it. You need to really get into it. But without, you know, the attention and the spotlight of uh, the entire media on this, it's it's going to, you know, it could get buried and then Americans lose because we all weaken our democracy as a whole. Um, so, you're, you know, you're absolutely right in everything you're saying, Eric. And, and again, it's a national security risk. Mm-hmm. And this is very well illustrated by two names that aren't on that chart yet, because mm-hmm. I should probably expand it out here. And those names are Louise Mensch and Rupert Murdoch, mm-hmm. because the fraudulent work of Clinton campaign went into FISA warrants, went before the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And on the 7th of November, 2016, Louise Mensch, quote, publishes the existence of a FISA warrant yeah. on an outlet owned by Rupert Murdoch. A FISA warrant is a very special and very invasive warrant that assumes that the target of that warrant it stands a reasonable likelihood probable cause of being an agent of a foreign government currently taking tasking from that government to the clear and present danger of the United States. It is a very special tool. And the existence of it, that one has been applied for and issued by the FISC, is national defense information or classified information. And trafficking it is a crime in the United States under 18 U.S. Code 793. Hmm. And there is no question at all that the publication by Louise Mensch on November 3rd, 2016, with the help of Rupert Murdoch, was a a national security crime by a foreign national against this democracy and its national security establishment. And it was assisted by Hillary Clinton's campaign. Well, that is an allegation. We should underline that's an allegation, but it is certainly... A credible allegation. I mean, it's certainly one of those things that, you know, no judge has yet uh, certified that, but it's... 793 is trafficking. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if, you, if you're part of, you know, creating it and giving it to other people, um, and you're the one who get, goes in, you're a spy at the FISC, then that would be an espionage charge. But this yeah. is trafficking defense information, and I'm very certain about this. I'm certain you're right. I'm certain you're right. I just, I just, we haven't had a judge say that about Mensch and others, so we don't want to say that that's the case because yeah, we need a prosecutor on this. But you know, it's uh, certainly looks like there's a lot of potential criminal activity going on here. If that's the case, and you know, we were all, I was one of them took what Louise said as truth, and you know, we always wondered how did she get a lot of this information from? Where did she get this from? And it's interesting when you go back to that cycle of, you know, this three-stage process of, all well, you feed the information to the FBI. Well, now you have that information, so you can traffic it into media organizations, you know. That becomes a powerful way to control the narrative. 
whether it's disproven or proven, it's you can work on it but either ways. And the end result is that the public confidence in law enforcement and the public confidence in the elections starts dissipating. And that's, that's right. when you get a situation like we have right now where most people do not believe that, you know, so well, most people, some people in this country still do not believe that Biden won the 2020 election, even though he did. And that kind of confusion and noise that we get from these different operations to, you know, supposedly harmless operations, but they're not. They're very harmful operations that really poison the water in terms of what we can believe in terms of election results and what we can believe that comes out of the FBI. So it's super critical that people pay attention to this because it is, you know, regardless of the outcome of this case, there seems to be a lot that needs to be done inside the FBI in terms of understanding it. But also the ecosystem that you point out, you know, who are these people who are who are amplifying and sharing and leaking information, which, you know, we all accept as being legitimate and to some extent, but who are they? Where are they coming from? Who do they get their sourcing from? Who does that money come from? Where does all that stuff come from for us, you know, to land up with the Fusion GPS and these other documents that we've had? There really needs to be some understanding of all of that. And this is not about picking sides. It's not about picking, you know, it's about picking, making sure that we have an environment that we have a credible president who's not corrupt, who's not being framed, who legitimately deserves that job. Well, right. And for one thing, you know, as far as this being a partisan matter, if you look in the upper right-hand corner of this this chart, you see Republican financier Paul Singer, who started working with Fusion GPS, supposedly mm-hmm. under Marco Rubio's campaign. But then when, once Trump was anointed as the candidate... He handed it over to the head of the Democratic National Committee. Now, isn't that interesting that you could have such a bipartisan operation to hire some contractors to Vladimir Putin to pull this off? It is really interesting. I mean, the fact that we have this collaboration at this high level between the Republicans and DNC, I, to me, is mystifying. It's, it's probably, you know, sets off the most nerve-wracking of alarms in my brain because that's the thing I fear the most is that there's so much collusion at the top levels of all these parties that they just decide amongst themselves at the end of the day, you know? And why let the voters decide? We can decide. And, you know, whoever gets to win this time gets you know, a toss of a coin or some other way of determining. But it's not the electorate that determines. It's the elites and the FBI and whomever. That is not, um, that is not what we want in the society. We do not want these two parties colluding. And it melts down our soft power of our moral authority that we have real elections, no matter how painful the candidate is. There's a lot of people who love for Donald Trump's years to be uh, erased. Lord knows they weren't that much fun for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. However, that's the way that people voted. You know, if we go back on that and, you know, we start talking about, um, you know, these things happening behind the scenes where you've got not just intelligence people or private intelligence people, but, you know, people who are on the payroll of foreign governments who are working on these influence operations to tell Americans what to think. Mm-hmm. Much of the way that the Internet Research Agency, which was run by the Russian military intelligence, was trying to psyop American voters from across the pond. It's like, we need Americans having discussions about American politicians who are only being paid by America. Mm-hmm. Only, you know, Not their paid. own <laughs> is to America. Yeah. I don't think this is that radical concept. I think all this stuff with this dossier and all the people working to push this out to these these media organizations, I think that's the exception of the rule. I think that's the, the you know the extreme uh, situation here. And to, to tie this back to the Sussman case, which is still ongoing, the jury hasn't given an opinion yet, but one thing's for sure, 
and they haven't really listed it as, as an affirmative defense. The defense has more presented this as it's not that big a deal. I'm sure he didn't tell the truth about this you know, giant machinery behind us working with all these people, including foreign-backed contractors, to influence media simultaneously. Uh, you know, he didn't say any of that. Well, that's um, 18 U.S. Code 1001, lying to the feds about an ongoing investigation. It's hard to see any clearer case of it. And, you know, he said something, and he said it a couple times, and he said it to some different people, and later he changed his tone. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You especially yep. can't do that if you're an assistant U.S. attorney. So I would hope that, you know, a jury looks at that and goes, you can't lie to the FBI. I mean, yep. that would make us less safe. And, it, and yeah. especially the political context here, it'll make our elections less safe. And you're talking about now we're getting into some things that sound like they deserve a criminal charge or two, a conspiracy to sabotage national security investigations. Well, that absolutely makes us less safe as a nation. Yeah, and look at what else is alleged in these trials that Durham is bringing out. I mean, Rodney Joffe is a really interesting guy. He is, you know, he had White House top security clearance because he was the guy who was involved in providing internet services to the White House. So he used this access that he had to the White House to gather information, to gather data about a presidential candidate. That candidate happened to be Donald Trump. But let's, if you take Donald Trump out of the picture, this idea that anyone who has access to the president's internet capability and the internet, and the, you know, that God knows what that security clearance gets. You. you must be able to see a lot of things. The idea that he would be able to use that data to spy on any presidential candidate is just a non-starter for America. I mean, uh, it doesn't matter that it's Donald Trump. It's not his job. And it's, you know, the FBI should be doing it. Anyone else should be doing it. Not this one guy who used to work for this new star. And now also he's connected to, uh, Mark Elias, the, the chief counsel for the Clinton campaign, probably one of the most well-known Democratic lawyers in the country, and to Mr. Sussman there. It's just not good. There's no way to, to look at this and say that this is legitimate use of data. And people are dismissing it as, oh, well, they went to look for dirt. There are other ways to look for dirt without actually using your top secret White House clearance to go and spy a Donald Trump or any candidate wherever he might be, whether he's at the Trump Tower or Mar-a-Lago, whatever, that's, it's not okay. I mean, you know, we couldn't find dirt on Donald Trump using Bing. I mean, <laughs> so you don't need clearance for that, right? Yeah. Could you go back to the big chart there for a yeah, second? I just want to talk about, I know Chris Vickery was talking about the data that uh, was of dodgy technical bona fides. That are, my assumption is that what Chris said the other night was that a real security person wouldn't say that that was dispositive, that but absolutely he, Donald Trump... Yeah. He didn't pass judgment on the actual data. He said that, you know, we're all being spied on, that data in general was a a real problem and that, you know, anyone who wanted to really get their hands on any data, which they could do that. I differ with him a little bit on this particular case because I I don't know why Rodney Joffrey is using his White House security clearance to get all this data. That seems to me like, you know, just a misuse of of security clearance. It's just there's no other way about it. You know, it allows Trump to turn around and say, hey, that guy Obama, he spied on me. Um, Obama didn't know. But maybe this guy did. And so there's the evidence. When, you know. That's it. For those yeah. who say that this is all partisan, it's like this operation gave, you know, okay, you're liberal. You like Jim Jordan? Mm-hmm. You like Louis Gohmert? You're big fans? You like Devin Innes? Big fans of theirs? Because you gave them, <laughs> the Clinton campaign gave them, gave them all of the ammunition to take shots at the Mueller investigation. Right, right, exactly. I'm so glad you went there because think about the Mueller investigation. Think about how there was this veneer or this, I don't know what it was, 
it's called a veneer of, of people saying it was a hoax and that there was nothing truth to it. In fact, there was a lot of evidence about Russian collusion with Donald Trump. But because of all this noise and this confusion and was this real, was well, this one wasn't real, because of all of this smoke that was thrown out there, people like Jim Jordan and Devin Nunes could go out there and say hoax, hoax, hoax all the time when it wasn't. Well, hold on. And when it was, and they said, that poor Carter Page, you violated his civil rights. Yeah. Here's the thing. The Clinton campaign handed that talking point to the Republicans. And it's mm-hmm. true because Carter Page was working as a confidential informant for the U.S. government, for the Central Intelligence Agency. Mm-hmm. That's why Kevin Kleinsmith was the first to plead guilty in late 2020 mm-hmm. and admitted that he had doctored up an email from the CIA to pass back, I believe, to James Baker and or the, the Crossfire Hurricane team to say, no, I've talked to the I've done what's known as deconfliction. I've talked to these other agencies. This Carter Page guy, he's rogue. He's not one of ours. He's and he's not reporting back to us. And that was a lie. And that's why he pleaded out because he was going to get nailed for this and more. Um, and he got probation. So he's probably told quite a story to the prosecutors. But the fact is, Carter Page, and this is not a comment on any of the rest of his life or choices ever since, but when you're a confidential informant, you're working for the US government. You're not mm-hmm. the same as an intelligence officer. But you're doing work for us and you don't deserve to have, you know, to be surveilled by our government with the most powerful weapon we have for clear and present dangers when you're, we, our guys know who you are and you're working for us. And if it ceases to be the case, then you'll no longer be working for us. But the fact is that when Kevin Kleinsmith went to do the deconfliction on some of the targets of these FISA warrants, they got to Carter Page, they went back and they said, no, no. Carter Page is, no, he's not one of ours. And that was a lie. It was. It was this, yeah. this is how that sabotaged the Mueller investigation. Mm-hmm. It enabled Rod Rosenstein, who after leaving government, went to become an agent of Israel by working as an attorney for NSO spyware group. He was able to box the Mueller investigation in to four individuals. And we have to have it in front of us and go through it to really do it justice. But the things that Mueller was allowed to investigate were hyper-specific. And number one is Carter Page, mm-hmm. which telling me that by August of 2017, when the Mueller team received its framework for what it could look at, what it couldn't, as far as the compromise of Donald Trump or the relationship between you know, these various individuals, they were forced to go look at Carter Page, who mm-hmm. was working for the U.S. government. And at every hearing House Intelligence had, every hearing Senate Intelligence had, Every pundit, they could say that poor Carter Page and this dodgy dossier that is a witch hunt, and, and the Republicans were right about that. Now, they weren't right about Dmitry Rubovlev, mm. Putin's uh, fertilizer king, buying Donald Trump's supposedly $45 million house for $90 million, mm. thus laundering him a bribe of $45 million from the Russian government. They didn't, they didn't look at that. They were busy looking at the guy with the red hat who actually worked for the CIA. And there was a number of these. Yeah, there were a number of these. Felix Sater was another one of these where, you know, you're expecting something from Felix Sater, but then Felix Sater seems turns out to be sort of an informant for both sides. He's sort of, you know, helping the KDFSP on some stuff, the GRU on some stuff. Uh, you know, he's just a, he's a middleman for all this kind of information. So, you know, he's already compromised, but yet he's the person that's set up by Michael Cohen's emails about the guy who might be starting all these events at the Moscow Tower. You know, there's a lot of people in that orbit around Donald Trump where there's, and around the Clintons, it appears now that we're doing some nefarious stuff and poisoning the political landscape, poisoning the narratives around that election. And it's beholden on the media to figure out 
what it is that they did because the media is responsible for a piece of this and not do it again. I mean, we can't have a situation where the FBI is having meetings with the New York editorial board, planting information about a candidate in the elections. It's just, uh, it's just not right. Not a good look. Not a good look. So we'll be covering this trial. And I know it's uh, judging by the, I'm sure the comments underneath this feed right now are, you know, um, contentious. And there's been a lot of organized attacks on me and other people, but that, you know, there's reaction to us covering this. We're going to cover it because it's important to democracy. Um, same way we covered Trump Russia, it was important to democracy. We covered this, important to democracy. Same standard. Um, we'll continue to do that on narrative. And there's no reason why we shouldn't, as we will, I should mention, January the 6th. January the 6th is, of course, coming up. The hearings are coming up in June. There'll be eight hearings. The gavel to cavil coverage will be just exclusive to patrons. So you have to join patreon.com forward slash narrative to get your coverage gavel to gavel. However, we'll still have our regular shows on a regular basis and we'll do all the other coverage as we've been doing. But if you want the gavel to gavel coverage, that'll be a narrative uh, Patreon exclusive. So please uh, go there and help us to continue to produce all this content that we're doing uh, by becoming a patron of narrative. Thank you for spending your time with narrative and stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.